Hello, I'm Amy Stevenson, and this is The Human CEO. In each episode, we'll be meeting with CEOs and senior leaders to understand their approach to leadership, the challenges they faced, and how they overcame them. We'll also be asking what they feel it takes to be a great leader. I think it's about learning to lead a team, learning to make a team, learning to listen to the team, learning what you think might work and making sure that decisions are taken, even if it's not going to be perfect, even that the information isn't all there, but but make a decision and act on it. Welcome to The Human CEO. I'm your host, Amy Stevenson, and today I'm joined by Maurice Cheng. Maurice is the Chief Executive Officer of the Institute of Osteopathy, a professional association for osteopaths. The purpose of this organisation is to support, unite, develop and promote the osteopathic profession. With over 20 years of experience in professional education and professional association development, Morris joined the Institute of Osteopaths in March 2013 and has made a great difference for the Institute since. Morris joins us today to share his insight as a leader and a human CEO. Thank you for joining us today, Morris. It's great to have you with us. It's a pleasure to be invited. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to speaking with you. So can you tell us a little bit about the organisation that you lead, please? How long have you got? The, <laughs> um, the Institute of Osteopathy is a, uh, it's, it's, it's a, a noble association of some standing. It was formed in, in 1913. Mm-hmm. Um, I came into post, in fact, a century later in 2013. And uh, we are basically the main association, the professional association for osteopaths. So we represent about um, four and a half thousand osteopaths and students. Our role basically is to represent the interests of osteopaths in terms of ensuring that actually the, the, the services of osteopaths can be, um, can be made ex- as accessible as possible to the public. At the moment, it's, it's mainly confined to independent private practice, which mm-hmm. is a shame. We'd love every everyone in the UK to actually get a benefit from it because it's 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 a it's a nice way of actually looking at improving health. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and and so as a leader of that kind of organisation at the moment, what kind of challenges are you up against currently? Well, I think what we're trying to do is to well, in, in order to make um, uh, osteopathy accessible to everyone. Um, you know, we need to ensure that the profession is growing and thriving. I think particularly we need to work more closely with other health professions, with the National Health Service, particularly across all, across all four home nations. Um, and, you know, for, uh, for a profession that's kind of kept itself to itself for most of the last century, it, it's something that takes a lot of work and a lot of persuasion and a lot of... I think convincing not just not just of colleagues and other professions or the or the NHS, but actually even within the profession itself. Um, you know, we, we're trying to, I suppose, gently introduce culture change yeah. in in you know both sides of that of that sort of the relationship between the broad health market and this this profession we call osteopathy. Mm-hmm. And, and so your background's not osteopathy, is it? So I was having a look, little look through your LinkedIn profile and did a bit of research, and you started out in marketing, is that correct? I started out in marketing, well, in market research, in fact. And mm-hmm. uh, I think I developed a taste for the 
the power of information and what you can do with it. I, uh-huh. Because you do all this work for clients, you find out what the key factors are on the market. But actually what you do with that information is to help them understand what relevance it is for their forward plans. Mm-hmm. I think that grew into a, um, a, a a wanting to deploy that sort of thinking as a marketing director uh-huh. in uh, the organisations that went on to to you know join the board of or or lead as as chief executive. Yeah. Um, so no, I mean ending up ending up in in uh, in health and particularly in osteopathy mm-hmm. is something that I certainly didn't predict when I went to this sort of area twenty odd years ago. But mm-hmm. I mean, as as a marketer of something about some twenty years standing, by the time I joined the, the this sort of um, arena. I do find working, helping health professionals gain a stronger place in society incredibly rewarding. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, I've marketed lots of different services and products and everything from, you know, stainless steel to, to um, accountancy services. But actually working for health professionals is amazing. The product is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's a real driver for me. Fantastic. And, and so your, your sort of journey into leadership, was that quite an organic process? Or did you always set your sights on the chief exec chair? Or? Well, I, I actually remember, and the, I remember um, in my very first job interview, they deployed in those days, this is way back in the, in fact, 1980, a long time ago, um, they deployed handwriting analysis as part of their um, sort of psychological profiling. Mm-hmm. For um, for university applicants, basically, yeah. and I remember receiving my um, results, which basically said, um, "I don't think this candidate shows much um, management or leadership potential, but he's probably very good at being market researcher." And I thought, "Well, sod that for game soldiers." <laughs> um, so I suppose it, it gave me a, a, a target to aim for, a barrier to overcome. And um, I've much enjoyed actually the process of, of learning to work with others, learning to build a team. Mm-hmm. And no, I mean, I, d- I didn't have the ambition to be a chief executive because, you know, while some say of chief execs, you, you want to get there because no one at that point is going to give you orders. You always answer to somebody, even yeah. as any clients. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've enjoyed the process of, of actually learning, working with others, and actually growing. I think my role within teams and growing my role with, as a, as eventually a leader of teams. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And so, do you think there are certain characteristics that you've had to develop over the course of your leadership career, or do you think there are common traits that all leaders need to succeed? Ooh, and I think that that if I try to answer that. You know, comprehensively, that mean that I actually understood what leadership was. <laughs> um, I, 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 well, certainly, I can tell you about the traits that I think I've used most in this um, journey, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. I, I a listen a lot because yeah. by listening, you then learn how to communicate, or at least if you can turn into communication, all the better. Yeah. If you communicate, you then get to understand what what the person you're talking to actually wants and needs. And if you mm-hmm. then understand that, you can use that to help inspire them. So, yeah, yeah. you know, to me, the process of working in the professions I've worked in or the organisations I've worked in is about making sure you're out with, you know, your own team, out with the clients. You're listening, you're talking, you're understanding and building a relationship based on based on open communication that then allows you to 
I think, find the bits which interest you, the team, the organisation, and from that to build an initiative, a plan, and something that inspires. I think, you know, it's, it's the ability to turn communication into inspiration to me that I think works for me. It may not work for others, but certainly has worked for me. Fantastic. And in terms of your leadership style, then, is that born out of some kind of experience or a piece of advice that someone once gave you? So where does that approach come from? Um, well, apart from reading lots of books about, you know, Wellington and Napoleon and, and sort of wondering, you know, could I do that? And probably oh. I could, he's not in their way. But the single piece of advice I, I've always followed, I think particularly with, with a with my uh, one of my first careers being in marketing, where, you know, everyone preaches um, idioms like, um, you know, half your marketing expenditure is going to be wasted, you don't know which half. Right. Um, the, the, I think the single sort of pithy comment or pithy advice I was given by one of my first bosses was if you do everything all the time something's bound to work which is the, the entire opposite to that uh-huh. and I quite like that approach I mean you know it basically means try try lots of things make lots of mistakes mm-hmm. but learn from the mistakes and actually do more of what works yeah um and I just like that way of doing it because it, it, it suits my style of approach to problems and problem solving yeah and I wonder if that that's from your your sort of market research background in terms of that test and test and test and test and test and fail forward. Yeah, of- yeah. Well, I mean, yes, yes. But you know, at the end of the day, I think Trump banking everything on the single perfect solution mm. very often just extends the process where you don't do anything. And to yeah. me, I think management leadership is is a lot about doing something that you think is right, and if it's wrong, change it. Yeah. You know, it's the ability to be adaptable and to be ag- agile, mm-hmm. modern management phrase, but, you know, it's the, the ability to adapt to circumstances and adapt to information you're gaining along the way that I think is very important. Yeah, absolutely, especially in these days with, with what we've just come well, through the last uh, 18 months. Indeed, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, the last 18 months has, has actually certainly shown an awful lot of us the need to be um, uh, as quick thinking as we can. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so is there a... Is there a piece of advice, if you could narrow it down to one, and I realise this is a big question, but is there a piece of advice that you would offer to someone that was looking to follow in your footsteps, either right at the very start of their career with their sights set on the chief exec position or someone that's just taken a step up into a leadership role? Um, I think I picked up perhaps quite a few of those sorts of angles in the last few minutes. Which is, I mean, I, I think it's about um, learning to lead a team, learning to make a team, learning to listen to the team. Um, learning what you think might work and making sure that decisions are taken uh, whenever you can, even if it's not going to be perfect, even that the information isn't all there, but but make a decision and act on it. And from there, you will make mistakes and learn from those mistakes, modify them, and then you will get a good result at the end of it. Yeah. I think it's, 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 it's that self-belief that if you follow that, I suppose, iterative process, of you know information gathering, communicating with others, mm-hmm. getting others on your side, inspiring others to work with you, going for a goal, and then learning from you know whatever tweaks you need to make. It's a, it, to me, it's an approach that works well. Yeah, fantastic, excellent. And is there a leader, sort of either past or present, someone that's famous or otherwise that you particularly admire or identify with that you want to mention? Um, I I've read a lot of books in Wellington. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> 
you know, as, as somebody who thought, as it was outside the box, the, his, certainly his command of battlefield tactics mm-hmm. allowed us to, you know, push back evil people like Napoleon, who wasn't particularly evil, but... Um, uh, I, 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 I think it, it, it's 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 understanding how the rules of you know a, a, a particular game or a particular in situation is played, and then actually learning to change the rules so that you win. I think is that sort of approach. I thought fascinated me. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other aspects of of what you know, how Wellington used to used to behave in terms of his relationship with his top team, which. I suppose I'd like to emulate, but I'm not like I'm not that sort of person. So you know, while to some extent I very much admire how he approached things and how he and the results of what he delivered, mm-hmm. um, there are other bits which I think are are good examples of what I might hold myself out to try to achieve at some point. I'm just yeah. not there yet. Yeah, it's, it's. I think that the power of of leadership and of recognizing what other leaders have done things like reading those books i think the power of that is taking a little bit from mm. everybody and applying it in your own way no yeah absolutely absolutely fantastic and, and so speaking of books then you mentioned wellington is there a, a book that you would either recommend or that you've been influenced by in the past that stands out well, I I, um, I I don't read management books. Um, I, I've been on loads of management training courses, and in fact, I used to be marketing director of management training company. So, I think you know that that, that was my grounding in 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 my current profession. Uh-huh. But the book I'm currently reading is uh, rereading. In fact, is um, Isaac Asimov's Foundation trilogy, <clears throat> mainly because the as a television series which is just finished. Um, uh, to me, I, I, I read for escapism, and I think particularly with someone like Asimov, who you know comes out with a theory like psychohistory, which means that you can you can predict the future if you take a big enough sample to do so, i.e., uh-huh. all of humanity or all the human race. Um, and to some extent, some extent, it's it's um, I suppose we must use some of that sort of approach and what we do in organizations day in day out which is you know we try and predict what's going to happen next you just need to use the right sample or a big enough sample and make the right calls about it so i, I just find that sort of escape literature appeals to my sense of yeah fascinating. whimsical or whimsy perhaps well I, th- I, th- I find it fascinating and terrifying that kind of stuff but i, th- I can see how the mind bender um sort of stories or concepts would would help from the level of responsibility that you must have on a day-to-day basis and then to go off and think about things like that must be interesting definitely interesting and and so can you tell us a little bit about the institute of osteopathy then so what's on the cards for 2022 what's coming up well i mean we've we've um since i took on the role uh crikey eight years nine years ago almost um We've been trying to, as a, an engineer, a significant shift in the relationship that the profession, which is amazing, by the way. If you've never tried one, try one. This is the ad. Um, uh, the, the the profession is taking about its future, and I think you know it, it is about making sure that more members of the public actually get to access osteopathy, which basically means that we need to work harder at engaging osteopaths with the NHS and with other professions. Mm-hmm. So the next six, 12 months is actually doing more of what we've been doing for the last three and a half years in our current five-year plan. 
um, which is engaging with National Health Service, trying to engage with the, the NHS in, the, in all the four countries in, in the UK, mm-hmm. um, you know, spending a lot of time going back out on the road after the last 18 months of lockdown, yeah. talking to, um, you know, groups of the profession to just to pick out the vibes of what they're going through at the moment. Because, you know, you need to build those bridges with with the profession as well as, you know, trying to represent that profession um, externally. So it, it, it's more of that sort of policy work, engagement work. And we're also starting to work up the, um, I suppose, the main themes for what will be our new five-year plan. I, I do strategic planning in a very literal way, which is, you know, you set a vision and then everything you do is towards that vision. Yeah. Because there are many other things that one could do, but sometimes quite a few of them would distract from actually achieving what we all agree we want to get to. So the vision is, you know, universal access to osteopaths, what will get us there? I mean, that's the question, yeah. and that's what we will work to. So the next five-year plan is going to be another big step. What is this yet? I can't share with you. Okay. I'm not sure I know yet. But, <laughs> um, you know, it, it's that sort of build-up. Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. Well, I wish you the best of luck with it. And I've really enjoyed speaking with you. So thank you for for taking the time, Maurice. You too, Amy. Thank you very much indeed.